Do you actually listen to the words that come out of your mouth? Most of the time, I don't know what I'm going to say until I finish talking. Bet on three or four and be like, hey, look, I picked one, you know, and, and you know, you could do that if you bet on all 32 teams, right? Say hockey for, for me is number one. I would say uh, the NFL is number two. And then I would say uh, Major League Baseball is, is number three. Mitchell, we are setting over under on head coach openings for uh, next season. Good evening, good morning, whatever time of day you're listening to this, you're listening to what will hopefully be the first of a great many great number of these podcasts. Uh, still working on a name, but uh, you know we're it's a it's a work in progress. You're never going to start a dream if you don't just go for it. Uh, my name is Joseph Barr. I will be the host. Joining me is my best friend that I've had for about twelve ish years. Sound about right, Mitchell? That does sound right. Yes. Hello. Something right in there. A um, little bit about myself, and then we'll introduce Mitchell. Born, raised Minnesota, Minnesota sports. This will be a primarily sports oriented show, but I mean, we're going to dabble and delve into everything and ev- anything and everything that you can imagine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I well, you know, I'm I'm just going to kind of let it go. Uh, more things will come out as they are as we as we experience this. Mitch, how you doing? You want to introduce yourself just a little bit? Yeah, hello everyone. Same thing for me. You know, just born and raised in Minnesota, and um, you know, spent most of my life there uh, at 32 years, 33 years, and then um, just recently here, uh, my family and I we moved out to Utah. So still root for all all things Minnesota. Uh, you're never going to get, you know, your, your home state and your hometown out of your blood, but, um, you know, still, still love it there in, in Minnesota. We love it out here now in Utah. And, um, listen, I love sports, everything about sports. And, um, but I also, uh, kind of have a side, um, you know, passion for, you know, uh, investing and, and numbers and, you know, just overall um world news out there so like you said you know dabbling in in certain things here and there isn't going to be unheard of so uh thanks you for inviting me joe to to the podcast here and uh look forward to it this this will work out great because i know next to nothing about investing and everything so i can ask a lot of those simpleton investor questions that i think a lot of people might have if they're new to it as well that you would have a a better understanding of um so yeah, that'll that'll I think that'll work out nicely, work out well with each other and everything. So a uh, little bit about the setup here. We are using Discord, so if there's any interference, anything like that, um, it's a learning experience for everybody. So we're we're just going for it at the moment. <clears throat> like I said, we're gonna try to focus mostly on sports with that um, little kind of rundown of the show that we'd have planned today talk about the nfl playoff seedings maybe a little bit of the upcoming week as well oh before we get into that too much i want to make it known and mitch to you as well i at no point will ever make this a daily show two maybe three times a week at the most i i love to hear myself talk but i i cannot think of enough things or even time in in the days to find enough 
ways to make this anything more than just a, a few times a week at the most. Are you, are we on the same page with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you never know what, what life may bring. I mean, you can sit here and say that we, we don't want it to be a daily show, but um, you know, three, four five years down the road, who, kn- who knows what that brings. But um, I think just for, for, for the time being, and the reason why we're starting this is just more of a hobby and, and just to let our passions be out there and, and let our opinions, of course, right. Everybody has their own opinions let our opinions uh, just kind of be out there in the world and, and just have fun with it. So just a hobby for, for now. And um, yeah, that's, that's my, my uh, outset. Speaking of opinions, I, I, I thought of this and, and the reason I wanted to, I wanted you to come in on this with me, Mitchell is you and I, you number one, you're the only person I know who thinks and talks and knows as much about sports as I do but you're also the only person I know and I have in my life who thinks about sports in a completely different manner. I can promise you that we will almost never agree on anything. And that is not by design. <laughs> we have, like I said, we've been friends for going on 12 years and we have had an ongoing messenger conversation and we are almost always disagreeing for, for not even like on superficial, on fundamental issues, the way teams players somebody's going about an issue so if we end up arguing i promise you it is it is not going to be a a scripted something that is planned out for us to be fighting about well and and i'd also add (laughs) joe too uh it'll be all right if we do have those little scuffles you know i i think that uh you know the the fun in uh just um you know sometimes uh opinions is that you know, you, you may on the outset, if you're looking in, be like, oh, that's that's an actual argument. Like, are they going to be OK? And I'm, I'm here to tell you, we're, we're going to be all right. So. Absolutely. Our, our friendship is stronger than this. I promise. I promise. A um, little bit, little look, just kind of synopsis of what to expect for for today's show, though. Like I said, talk about NF, it's uh, primarily sports. Mitchell, please invest in world news. Chime in as as needed as you'd like. Talk a little bit about the NFL playoff seedings. Uh, I want to set an over-under on head coaching vacancies. I'm going to write it down for each of us, and and we'll come back to that on a later show. Uh, Jeff Passan dropped an article about the MLB lockout. He basically just told everybody to quit being children, and if you haven't read it, it is absolutely wonderful. And then uh, from the local angle on the sport, uh, local angle on the hockey front, Marco Marco Rossi and Matthew Boldy both got called up for the Minnesota Wild. Huge news if you're a Wild fan, if you're a sports fan. Um, something that I know I've been looking forward to. Mitch, you're more of the hockey guy than I am, so I'm sure you're even more excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think that um, I, I like all the topics today. And, and uh, Joe, if you want to get going on one, we'll we'll dive in. Yeah, um, I, I'm just gonna nfl is king um it doesn't take a a genius to realize that so we'll start with the nfl and the playoff seedings at the moment um i've got them pulled up here in front of me and every everybody's talking about the packers and then everybody oh everything like the the pack everything goes through green bay goes through green bay and yes i am biased when i say this but am i the only one who thinks that this will just be like every other year where they find a way to lose in one of the rounds to a team that nobody saw coming. It seems like the Packers have been in the playoffs 
every year and they always instead of finding a way to win like they do in the regular season they find a way to lose in the postseason and it might be just because of how hard it is to win in the nfl but i i don't i don't i don't know it just it kind of blows me away that there is that much faith that people have in the packers Yeah, the the Packer thing in an angle, and again, coming from a Minnesota sports fan, uh, I honestly try not to pay attention to the Packers uh, as much as almost any team in the NFL. You know, we, we can sit here and talk about, you know, some of the strengths and weaknesses of a lot of AFC teams and a lot of NFC teams. Um, it's just a, a pure rivalry standpoint where I don't pay attention to the Packers as much, but... Here's, I guess, where where I'm thinking with this on on the Packer angle is that, um, you know, one of these years they're going to break through, and yeah, they're 13 and three. They have home field, and and you could easily say, oh yeah, this is this is the year going to break through. Um, but I I will say that this year, uh, just feels like there's just a bunch of parity out there, and I don't think it has to do with the 17 game schedule. Um, I just think that. There is a lot of above average, I wouldn't say even above average, like they're good to really good teams. There's there's a lot of those teams out there. Look, you know, just looking at the NFC, uh, you know, the Saints are still in the hunt. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs, right? Um, Eagles, there, you know, they, they may win a game. Yeah, go for it. There, There's this narrative that the Saints can get hot and win the Super Bowl, and I just... There's, I don't see it. I don't see with, any way with that, who that, quarterback exactly. <laughs> you're gonna just have Taysom Hill trying to sidestep 19 defenders. Come on, come on. Yeah, it, it, it all season long. I mean, you just you look at their scores and you look at the way that they win. That's not a recipe. You you have to be able to, you know, throw the deep ball when you need to. You have to be able to. Um, not be predictable on offense, and they're they're just too predictable to be able to to go on a Super Bowl run. I, I'm not sitting here saying that, um, you know, could they sneak out a game? Yeah, maybe, but they're just not going to win multiple games in a row in the playoffs against some of these teams. You know, you look at the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys. There's they're not going to win a couple of those games in a row. There's there's no way, right? So, absolutely. Uh, looking at the schedule for the NFL week eight, 18, so week, yeah, week 18. Cause everybody's got the bye week. Um, did I, I didn't know this. I saw this on Twitter the other day. Did you know? Okay. So the Colts are on the bubble right now, right now they are not currently a playoff team. They're on the bubble. They play the Jaguars in jacksonville yes they're in jacksonville did you know that the the colts are oh for five against the jaguars in the last five games in jacksonville i did not know that that i i'm not and i mean the last colts teams were featuring philip rivers and andrew luck and a bunch of other people who aren't are no longer with them Mm -hmm. but i mean any given sunday right you were just talking about parody or just talking about how any given Sunday. So that that's just something it's just, it's an interesting wrinkle, I guess. Yep. Here's a, a side nugget, um, you know, for, for all you listeners out there um, out here in Utah, we don't get to do sports gambling. Um, just uh, we can touch on that on, on a later episode. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that, um, that this state and, and other states as well, haven't gotten to there yet. 
Uh, but but that's a, a good topic for another day. What what I did do uh, recently going home to Minnesota for Christmas is we uh, had briefly stopped in Iowa, which of course has sports betting, not only mobile, uh, but there's a couple of casinos there that you can stop at. So um, I good. did place I did place a bet uh, on the Minnesota Wild. Again, a homer here, right, uh, to win the Stanley Cup. I feel like um, this is their best chance uh, that they've had probably uh, since uh, being a club in 2000. Um, so I felt like if this is the year that they're going to do it as a sports fan, I'm obligated to have a ticket, uh, <laughs> for, for them to win the Stanley cup. Um, but, uh, while I was there, I also wanted to just bet on one team. I, I didn't want to, uh, you know, bet on three or four and be like, Hey, look, I picked one, you know, and, and, you know, you could do that if you bet on all 32 teams. Right. So I just wanted to pick one. Uh, one team, just a quick little bet, just for fun as I was going through and we didn't have much time. So, uh, and I didn't spend a whole lot of time researching either. Uh, but, uh, to your point, Joe, I, uh, I chose the Colts. So they've right. yet to make the playoffs, but they're, they're my team right now. But I mean, and you, t- so you touched on recipe for success. So tough defense, running game, you know, everything that travels, the, the Colts absolutely could get as hot as anybody and go on a run. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that that could happen. Same with Tennessee, who's currently the one seed. I, I got betting lines in front of me. Take a guess at what this Indianapolis Jacksonville spread is. All right. So I don't want to look. So, so Jacksonville's at home, right? Jacksonville's at home. They typically try to give two, two and a half to home teams. Uh, m- maybe that differs occasionally as well. So with that in mind, uh, spread, I'm going to go. Um, is it is it Colts by four and a half? It's, it's Colts minus 15. Minus 15. Minus 15 points. And you know what? Give them, give me the Colts. Give me the cover. Colts win this weekend, get in the playoffs. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a crazy spread. It's not the biggest one this weekend at the moment. The Bills at home against the Jets, favored by sixteen. So, yeah, but of... I guess I guess the Jaguars are two and fourteen. Um, but Andrew. they've they've they played a lot of they played a lot of their opponents pretty close. Andrew Luck or Andrew Luck, uh, Trevor Lawrence has looked terrible this year and i don't i don't know how much of that has to do with urban meyer i'm i'm inclined to think at least a little bit of it has to do with the fact that urban meyer wanted to be the center of attention while he was there and yeah. uh he's uh dancing with people who he uh you know, just just shouldn't be dancing with um and putting himself in situations to embarrass himself and the team um I, I, good riddance to urban meyer like that man had yep. no business being in the NFL. He was getting out coached every single week. He was kicking people, hitting people. Like, I, I just, uh, I, yeah. Never, have you never tough, been? At- yeah, tough scenario there in Jacksonville for for Urban, and um, you know, everybody said before he took the job, hey, he's a he's a college coach, you know, and you see some of these guys sometimes go to the pros and and strike out hard, and just n- no difference here, um the way that it has gone has been a little bit different on, on some of these more recent guys, but listen, uh, he's just not an NFL coach and he, he won't be back. Um, and, but going to your point about Trevor Lawrence, uh, number, number one overall pick, um, you know, you, you look at past guys and I know you and I have talked about this 
where you look at like a Josh Allen and you look at his numbers in his first year and his second year, and it it wasn't as pretty, right? Uh, but there's always the eye test. There's always the, hey, what are you doing in practice? What system were they running? You know, did they have an offensive coordinator change or not? You know, and so so there's all those things. You can't just look at a first year numbers and be like, oh, well, I know it because the numbers say so, right? But, um, <clears throat> you know, just my, my brief quick thought on Trevor Lawrence is he's going to be all right. I think he's still going to be a top 10 quarterback in the league uh, here in a year or two. And he'll he'll consistently be in the top 10 for for years and years to come. I think my 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 opinion on what's happened in Jacksonville is, yeah, James Robson, I get it, but they haven't had a run game. Um, they they've allowed a lot of pressures from the offensive line standpoint and receivers wise, you know, Marvin Jones uh, Jr., um, a little bit of experience there to try to lead some of those younger receivers. But uh, Chenault got hurt. Um, you had. Um, I don't know how many games LaVisa Chenault was out. Uh, but then the third receiver as well uh, missed a lot of time. So, you know, you just look at those three things. Okay, so you have n- not a very well-established running game. Offensive line needs some work allowing pressures. Um, your only receiver that's been consistent all year is Marvin Jones, who, who is, is you know, not what he was in the past. And so you combo that with Irvin and his system and, and what has occurred. It's just... There's no way that he would have uh, come out with a good season this year. So uh, I'm in favor for for his outlook down the road, but we'll we'll see. That's the beauty of of life. Absolutely. Uh, looking at the NFL schedule, the only other game there there's there's two other games that interest me. That's the 49ers Rams game. I think if the Niners win, they're in the playoffs. And then uh, Sunday Night Football win and in that Chargers Raiders game. Um, Man, the Chargers have been inconsistent all year. It's like you don't know which Chargers team you're going to get. Like they're going to put up 40 and only give up 10, or they're going to lose by 30. And it's just like which Chargers team shows up. And that Raiders team, like, like forego with foregone with the John Gruden situation and the coaching situation, like they have rallied to win some games recently. And they are a team that I, that I think it could potentially. You know, get on a run, get hot at the right time. I'm not counting them as a Super Bowl winner, but they could definitely, they could be the Vikings from a few years ago and knock off a, a one seed or a two seed, depending on the play, depending on their matchup, depending on the situation. They've got Jonathan Abram. They've got, you know, a defense that is, they are not afraid to hit you. They're not afraid to get that 15 yard penalty. Um, and Josh Jacobs, you know, he's, he's a running back who can, who, He's not afraid of contact either. That's a physical Raiders team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and that's that's just it. You know, you look at the defense. Um, you know, you got to be able to get pressure from a defensive line standpoint. You look at Super Bowl winners. You know, if if you really took a deep dive, uh, here's what I think you would find. You'd find that you had pressures from the defensive line. You know, and then you had uh, a, a somewhat lockdown corner that forced you to go to your other receivers. You know, so so that recipe from a defense um, is is something that can can carry you pretty decently in the NFL in the playoffs, uh, as long as you're not losing the turnover battle, right? So turnover battle, if you're on the plus side of that, you're getting pressures from a defensive line standpoint, and you're able to lock up a best receiver. I mean, that's that's the recipe. That's that's my recipe for uh, NFL playoff success. Uh, so I think I think Chargers the Raiders can do that. 
Chargers are so equipped to handle that though. Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, like they, there's that's a team that when like everybody like from what I was listening to today, other sports talk shows, the Browns were kind of the disappointment of the season. For me, it's the Chargers. Like, like when you look at that roster on paper, like I thought they were going to be better than nine wins. I had them. I had them for eleven at least. Um, you know that that's a they have two thousand two one thousand yard receivers. Um, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. They're they're both studs. So I just I don't know. I I think the Chargers really underperformed. Yeah. Kind of- look. look- Looking at that game, I um, I think it's obviously they, they flexed it right to, to Sunday night, so it is the game of the week. Yeah. But, um, it's it's just a fun matchup to look at, and and I do think that the the Raiders um do not defend home field. I think the Chargers go in there and, and win. Um, there's no weather element we have to worry about here in this game. Um, the Raiders, great season for them. I think it's a good stepping block to continue now. Um, you know, they, they've missed on some, some picks here, first round picks recently. So hopefully that doesn't set them too back, but I just, I love them in, in Las Vegas. I think Las Vegas is, is the, the best city for them to be in versus Oakland. I'm sure there's some Oakland Raider fans out there. They're like, look at, listen to this guy. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, ch- charters, I'm, I'm picking for that game for sure. The, the, the mystique of Vegas can't put people <laughs> in Vegas. Actually, you shouldn't put people in Vegas. Look what, uh, Henry Ruggs did. I'm not going to so, say that happened because he was in Vegas, but I, the 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 Vegas the Vegas mindset doesn't help that situation at all. You you have to be mentally strong. You just you really have to just be a, a mature adult at that point, right? And uh, some of these kids in the NFL, you can call them kids because they're just not mature enough yet. Um, and and that's just how it goes. But um, you know, <laughs> you you know as as well as I do that both of our wives. Uh, they're not into the sports. They know some a little bit, right? Um, but uh, it's it's funny. I wanted to just share this quick while we're on the topic of of the Raiders. Um, <laughs> the new stadium they got there. This is just kind of a side fact that I like. But they have their turf uh, that they slide out of their stadium, and it's actually uh, a, a nice real grass turf. And they let it get sun. They let it, um, you know, build. Well, they- they let it go outside and they're like, have some sun, have some real sun. <laughs> yeah. Like you deserve this grass. You had a hard three hours. Yeah. And then they slide it right back in. So I, 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 uh, I love that fact. And the other, I just reminded me the other day, my wife and I were talking about something and I'm like, she's like, oh, the Raiders were in Las Vegas. And I'm like, yeah, I remember I was telling you about the sliding turf. She's like, oh yeah. <laughs> that, that. The uh, the the level that we're getting to with stadiums, with stadium technology, with what is included with stadium, like NFL stadiums, not just NFL stadiums, but all stadiums, is it's mind blowing. It it is like the amount of technology, the amount of resources that go into these things, the amount of just things that are available for your patronage at the stadium. It's it's just mind blowing. It really is to me. Yeah, absolutely. And just the money. I mean, the money is staggering and it always will be. Um, but <clears throat> just goes to show you that it's it's the king in, in the U.S. of A. Absolutely. All right. We got we touched on pretty much every big matchup this week. If if we didn't talk about the game that you're going to be watching and the game that you care about, I'm sorry. In all likelihood, that team's not making the playoffs. Like I said, we're both Vikings fans. We're watching 
Mike Zimmer's last game coaching, bringing us to our next point. I am going, Mitchell, we are setting over under on head coach openings for uh, next season. We already have two in Jacksonville and Vegas. That's correct. So I got the draft order pulled up in front of me, Jacksonville. Um, Dan Campbell, Detroit, they stick with him or not? Uh, I do. I do think they stick with him only because um, I think of his demeanor and his passion for it. He's shown over the course of this season in his press conferences that, you know, the type of guy he is and his players play for him. Uh, So I think that they'll give him another year to try to improve. And listen, you look at the roster, you can't expect too much. Jared Goff, I think they were expecting to to come in there and uh, do a little bit more than he did. But listen, um, you know, I think I think they keep him and I think the Lions potentially, you know, maybe hit five or six wins next year. Dan Campbell crying at press conferences, saved his game when he beat the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> and then won. Uh, they won one other game. I think it was Arizona just upset the Cardinals. And if you would, if you bet that game, good for you. Let me know who your psychic is because I want, I want in. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think, um, I think New York lets, lets their head coach go. Um, we have Carolina. The, the thing, the things that recently came out about Matt rule. Did you hear about that? Uh, no, is he, is, okay. he, is he kicking? Is he kicking a kicker? So I wish I would have read the article a little bit more, but I only caught the headline roughly. But what I what I heard was that um, he was getting interviewed by another NFL team, uh, potentially even the New York Giants. I, I don't remember, but they were offering him a contract of X amount of dollars. So the Panthers decided to match that or maybe go a, a little bit above that, whatever have you. And uh, so now it is there is a report. And again, we know how these reports work. Who knows if they're true? Maybe it's just headlines. Maybe it's smoke. You know, who knows, right? But the headline was the owner didn't want to pay him that much on the contract, but felt like he was handcuffed into it because he already had a got, got in an offer for that same amount. Carolina Panthers, new owner David Tepper, richest man in the NFL. <laughs> Interesting that even he was like, I don't want to pay this guy. Like, come on. So that. And I, you can say that now because of the season they've had, 5-11, and 11, but be, have have some cojones and come out at the beginning of the season and say something like that then. And that's that. That's why I said, who knows if this report's true. But, you know, if you want the guy, pay the guy. If you don't want the guy, don't hire him. Uh, so that's that's my philosophy there. But I think the Giants, I think, um, I do think potentially the Panthers. Um, I'm going to go with the Bears. And looking at all the rest of the coaches, I think I think we're I'm gonna settle with three on the NFC, only three. So out of the NFC, I'm gonna take the Vikings because if Mike Zimmer is here another year, Justin Jefferson won't be. He will Stephon Diggs his way out. <laughs> well, and I I'm always I I never think of the Vikings too. So you're right, correct. We, we got four. <laughs> Washington football team. Uh, give me give me Chicago, the Duh Bears as well. I mean, there's no way that uh, 
Matt Nagy finds a way to keep his job it, for another year. If he, if Matt Nagy is employed by the Bears, I want to know what pictures he has because he has pictures of somebody doing something very illegal. That's the only way he keeps his job. Do you think? Do you think Ron Rivera gets canned uh, after having uh, no quarterback and also missing? Uh, Chase Young for uh, a majority of the year. Well, and Montez Sweat, to be honest, as well. So both their DNs were their bookend uh, DNs were were out. You think he gets canned after a six win, potential seven win season? No, I don't. I was just surprised. I I was for me Washington, the Washington football team, who is revealing their team, their new team name. I believe February second. If no one's heard that report, but I always just feel like they were they just it surprised me to see them as ninth in the draft order right now. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, and so I'm going to take Vikes, the bears and the giants as well. So the, um, do you have any other surprise AFC, um, coach openings that might come about? Or are you, are you settled with six? AFC. So we got the Jaguars, um Vegas you you got the Vegas you've got to think Bill O'Brien loses his job and I actually should fact check myself is Bill O'Brien still the coach of the Titans (laughs) he's winning a national championship this year with Alabama that's right that's right (laughs) that's right Uh, that's uh that's David Cully in uh in Houston and all all reports out of Houston is the players love him so I wouldn't be surprised if they stick with him for another year, give him another shot to see kind of what he's got. One one team that um is staring me right in the face that is might honestly be the key to the whole situation, the key to the whole offseason, Seattle Seahawks. If Russell Wilson leaves, Pete Carroll's 70, 71 years old. He's not interested in in losing for three years. He's just not. Is he interested in coaching again? Absolutely. If if Russell Wilson leaves, if they decide to move on from Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll leaves, one of these other teams that is moving on from their head coach is going to win the offseason just by just by getting Pete Carroll back. Not going to say that there's ties and a connection, but he did coach in Minnesota at one point when the Vikings do have a loaded offensive roster, which, I mean, is kind of what he lucked into in Seattle. So I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, well, so we agree on Jacksonville. Obviously, he's open now. The Raiders are open now, so that's two. Um, I think the Jets keep uh, Robert Salah for one more year. Um, I am, I am going um, and saying the Broncos are going to fire Vic Fangio. Um, not, I, I think that he is an NFL caliber coach, but I think that when you put yourself in a as a team in a position with the quarterback situation that they've had. Um, the, he, he just needs to go. Um, they need, they need fresh eyes and, and a fresh view on that team, um, is what I believe. So I think Broncos lose their coach. And what do you think about the Browns? The Fansky gets, uh, gets canned after a one arm, well, not even one armed half a body of Baker Mayfield is trotting out there. What are, what are the Browns doing? Uh, did you watch Monday night football? I caught glimpses of it, but I did not watch the full game. And I have a stat for you after your question. <laughs> Nick Chubb had like 12 carries the entire game. Baker Mayfield with, with, with one arm, with one knee, and one ankle threw the ball like 36 times. 
what what is the game plan? I have a great deal of respect for Stefanski. I know he knows what he's doing. I've seen his game plans. I thought he was literally going to, I like his game plan going to Cleveland should have been, I am going to literally steal the Minnesota playbook because I've got a great running back in Nick Chubb. Oh, and by the way, we lucked into Kareem Hunt, but like halfway through my first year. So let's go there. And I'm just literally going to run the same offense. I, I'm, I don't understand Stefanski's mindset unless he is, and I've I've heard this floated around, unless he is trying to showcase that Baker Mayfield just is not the guy. Unless he's trying to showcase that Baker Mayfield is is just a bum quarterback. He's a backup and trying to turn people against him. And that's why he's not giving the ball to Nick Chubb 30 times a game like he should yep. be. I did read a report saying that Stevansi came out and said, Hey, you know, do I think that, I think the question was something similar to, you know, do you think Baker's play has been because of his injuries? And Stevansi came out and said, Hey, Baker told me he was healthy enough to play, which, which is Stevansi saying, you know, I believe that I've seen it in practice. He's healthy enough to play. So what that means is his play is just bad. Uh, so, um, I, I do think that, uh, Baker's no longer in Cleveland next year. Uh, well, they already picked the up his, they already picked up his fifth year option. They I, own I, 19 million. Yeah. I was just gonna say, the only thing is, is, is you need to find a replacement first and they may not do that, uh, in the middle of, or actually the back half of the teens, I, I would say they're going to be in, what are they going to be in about 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that range. So you're going to, you're going to find a, a quarterback in that range and play him immediately. No, are you gonna? What what happens if Russell comes along though? Right, Russell Wilson. What happens if uh, potentially Kirk Cousins gets traded out of Minnesota to the Browns and to Stefanski? What, what about that? Right. So th- I think there's options out there, but um, unless a trade happens, I think Baker's just there by default. But I don't think that they want him to be there. Yeah, I'm. I get. I get that vibe too. I, I think that it's like if. If we had any other option, if we didn't spend a number one overall pick on this guy, we would have moved on from him by now. Yeah. But we, this is like, you're, you're stuck, essentially. Yeah. Well, and I think the vibe, right? We, t- we talk about vibe in, in today's world. That's a heavily used term. But, you know, you, you look at some of these other quarterbacks, there's no reports about locker room this or locker room that. And there's no reports about... um. We're not sure if he's the guy or not, or will he be the quarterback here next year? Or, you know, all the things that are being said or are being floated out there. You don't see that in New England. You don't see that in Los Angeles for the Chargers. You don't see that, obviously, in Cincinnati, right? But you just don't see that in places where the quarterback is good enough to calm those things. And the reality is because those things are prevalent and the vibe is out there, the vibe is that... Um, you know, we're unsure for, for the simple fact that they're unsure means that he's just not lived up to the number one pick. That, that's just how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. So bare bones, straightforward question is Stefanski with the Browns next year. That's a great question. I think that, um, I think that he is. Uh, there with the Browns next year, but well, I'll, I'm just going to set it over under. Here's my quick thought. I'm going to go seven and a half. That's my number 
And I think I'm going to just slightly take the under and go with seven. All right. Seven and a half. I'll let you set the number is the under. Um, Jacksonville, Vegas, Minnesota, Chicago, Giants, Seattle. There's going to be a surprise playoff team that fires a coach, whether it's Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. Not that he deserves it, but Pittsburgh has standards. Uh, whether it's Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Um, give me, I'm, I'm going to take the over. I, I think I, I think that somewhere, some way, somebody who doesn't deserve to lose a job loses their job. Like I said, whether it's Mike McCarthy, even if, if Kyle Shanahan doesn't make the playoffs with the Niners, like you've, you're just going to what ride the one Super Bowl you made it to and and hope that that just keep keeps your job on goodwill. Nah, right. I, I, right? I I don't I don't see it. So, seven and a half is the number. You took the under, I took the over. That wasn't that wasn't anything planned or scripted or anything. Um literally just I I think that's a good number. I think I think we'll have a lot of openings on that black monday um very interesting to see how how coaches and how the situations play out across the nfl um i want to move into what is probably my my personal in between second and third favorite sport depending on the time of year mlb lockout what like this situation is getting ridiculous i I'm I'm very frustrated with the situation. Um, Jeff Passan dropped an article. I mean, I I screenshotted a bunch of it because it's a lot of good. It's a lot of good information from ESPN and Jeff Passan. Um, we're, we're approaching a critical mass point with with the with baseball in their lockout. Baseball. And and this isn't me saying this. This is the numbers. This is statistically is a dying sport. They're not attracting new fans. The games are taking forever. It's just, there's way too many of them, and yet we have millionaires arguing with billionaires about who gets how much of the pie. How about you figure out a way to cut the game down to under three hours and put the ball in action? put the ball in play before we start talking about, you know, millions and billions of dollars. And I get that's easy for me to sit here when it's not my millions and billions of dollars on the line and it's not going into my pocket. But this is a game that I love. This is a game that I don't want to see anything happen to. But I feel like, for me, if if the moment that we hit a point where they start missing games, it's over. Like, like that is that is going to be the point where baseball loses fans to the point where they don't get them back. Yeah, the frustration is real for me as well. And <clears throat> here's here's my my quick thought on just an overall topic is that I'm not surprised we're sitting where we're sitting, and meaning it's now January. Spring training is in February, of course. And both sides have not met face to face in in a while, and there's not talk about a meeting yet either. And in, so I, in, I'm not surprised. In Passon's article, the lockout started 
I think it was December 2nd, the two sides have met face-to-face for seven minutes in just over a month. And I get there was the holiday season in there. I understand that. Seven minutes face-to-face in a month. Yeah, it, it, and again, I'm not surprised. So, you know, for, for some of these baseball fans that are a little bit younger that haven't, haven't gone through some of these, you know, work stoppages before, um, maybe it is surprising saying, hey, it's January, they haven't even met, like, wow, what's happening? To, to me, it's not a surprise. Now, do I, do I agree with it? Absolutely not. Um, do I understand the tactic of it? I do. Um, and it's just the simple this, right? Like you don't want to be the one to blink first because typically the one blinking first is going to be the first one to give in. Now, doesn't mean that, uh, you know, maybe they give in on one topic and, and try to meet a little bit more in the middle. And then the other topics, they come away with what they wanted. That could happen too. But I just think that in general, with any negotiation, that's typically how it goes is if the first one to blink is going to be the one that ends up giving in the most if you don't end up meeting 50-50 at the end of the day. So um, as as some of these other sports uh, lockouts that have, that have happened since I've been around, as you get closer and closer to whatever deadline you want to put on it, there's no, it's an arbitrary deadline, right? But let's say we talk about a line in the sand. As we get closer and closer to that line in the sand, the pressure and pressure is going to mount. And, you know, the players are going to be like, hey, well, if we don't, hurry up and, and offer maybe something a little bit more, we're going to miss out on wages. And same thing with the owners. If we don't offer just a little bit more than what we've been offering, we're going to miss out on profits. So the pressure is going to get greater here as we come. Um, I, I could go on and on about this this lockout as well. As, as you know, we've talked a little bit about it uh, on the side, but um, I think I'm not too worried yet that, that that's where I'm at. What, like, like, what are we doing? Are we are we trying to preserve a game or are we trying to win an argument? Because for me and what I, how I feel about it, like I said, you can look at the statistics. There was a st- there was there was a study done twenty years ago. Baseball's average fan base is like twenty seven years old. Same study done, you know, twenty years later. Average baseball fans' age is forty two. Baseball is not attracting new fans to the game. And that, to me, should be the the primary thing on the table. It should not be about, and and that should be owners and owners and players alike. Like that should be the unified front where it's like, if we don't start attracting new people, are are like just what it, it is. What it is, our sport's gonna die. And like, yep, that's not like it. Just seems like it seems like that's so far like not even on anyone's radar when it comes to baseball. That almost seems like, like, like the players and the owners are very much just like, no, baseball's in a good spot. Baseball's fine. Like we're spending money, yeah. But it, it, like, ticket prices have gone up every year more than inflation, and and that part of that is due to due to increasing player salaries. It's just we're like we're hitting a point where it used to be, at least from from the I'm I'm 27. And I've never lived in a in a huge metropolitan area. I've never had an area where there's like a, a a competitive baseball team to be around. But my dad has, and my dad would tell stories about just basically on a whim, like let's go to the ballpark. 
And that's what they did. They went to the Twins games. They went to other baseball stadiums around the area. We're to a point where, like, uh, your average middle-class family can't do that just because of everything that goes into it. Ticket prices, concession prices, pay to park, like, everything else that comes into it. And, like, nobody seems to talk about it. Nobody seems to care. And, like, that that's the troubling part to me is, like, we're, like, phasing out almost like the middle-class fan and it's not just baseball it's out of all sports but you know baseball is the one we're talking about seem to be like phasing out the middle class fan and we're just like oh and and owners players they're just like okay with it and and Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a wonderful concept to think about too just what do you think um saves baseball or or what's your best guess right and so in relation to the you know the varying topics of the lockout here's here's a question for you which one of these two things do you think is most likely to bring back popularity to baseball um and there's a couple kind of varying um tree roots to branch off of both of these but do you think it is parity for baseball do you think that you know, you're not having a couple of, you know, 55, 60, 62 win teams um, and, you know, that type of thing. Do you think it's parity where, uh, you know, you're not having a Dodgers where they're consistent in an Astros team where they're consistently in three or four uh, ALCSs out of five years, four out of five or whatever it was for the Astros? Do you think it's parity where you don't see that anymore and each there's new teams each year winning? Uh, or... Do you think that it is a more exciting brand of play? I wouldn't necessarily say more home runs, although I think that that doesn't hurt anything, of course. But maybe it is um, a different, you know, just a little bit of, you know, changing the rules where just leads to more runs, right? Because runs at the end of the day, yeah, a true baseball fan do you love the heck out of a one nothing game or a two to one game where you bumped the runner over and you scored him from second in the eighth inning to take a to take a two one lead like that? That's beautiful, right? But do you, do you which one would you lead, Joe? Would you lead scoring slash home runs and just a different brand of style of baseball, or would you lead? Would you say parity overall? For me, it's parity. Um, what like me as a fan? Why would I go see the Orioles who are going to lose? Like, what mm-hmm. reason do I have to spend my money on watching the Orioles lose nine to two to a, an equally terrible Pittsburgh Pirates team mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that? If I'm an Orioles fan, I'm, and I found myself doing this this season, I was going to Twins games to see the opponent. Um, I went to, I went to a uh, Tampa Bay Rays game almost for the the exclusive reason of seeing Wander Franco and Luis Patino. Le- Patino was pitching that day. Franco happened to be playing shortstop, and I I was more captivated by the by the by the away team than I was the team that I cheer for every day. Yeah, once- so pa- parody. I, I agree. And you look at it. Okay, so not only are you going to start to generate um, more uh, demand for tickets because 
you are you you're you're more than likely going to see a good game and you know the the different types of players right but more demand for tickets the demand will actually last longer into the season because more teams have a chance to make the playoffs so when you talk about um the fans wanting to see a more uh, a more uh, you know overall parity league all, the owners are going to like it as well because the ticket sales are going to be higher than i would think that they are currently if you had uh, more parity in the league. The other thing that I think, and this was kind of my my true branch that I was referencing, is I feel very, very, very strongly on how you get parity. Is you have to change some of these arbitration rules. Um, you you can't hold on to players uh, until they're twenty or seven or twenty eight. That doesn't. Th- there's there's no other sport that does that. So, yeah, and and it's, I mean the way baseball does is super broken. I mean, a holding on to somebody six years after they have not like you draft a college arm, put him in double a, he's already 22 makes the big leagues when he's 24 and then doesn't hit free agency till he's 30. I get that baseball is different. It's not as taxing on the body. So players get to play a little bit longer, but no, you don't like holding on to players for six years after they've reached the highest level is it's just well, asinine. It's, it's the opposite. Well, I'll add a, I'll add on to that as well. You look at, you know, you keep them down for extra years just to be able to even get more years out of them. I just, it, it is absolutely broken. Like you said, um, the, the opposite effect is happening too, where as an example, as the Dodgers, you, you trade Kiebert Ruiz um, to get, you know, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. And I think Ruiz was one of them. I think there was another big piece in there too. I'm just off the top of my head not thinking of it. Yeah, there you go. So um, you get two outstanding players in the last year of your contract. Yes, last year of your contract, I get it. But the Dodgers are creating a super team not because they're trading Kiebert Ruiz and, and Josiah Gray. Yes, yeah. great prospects. Will they turn out both of them? Probably. Will, will Kiebert Ruiz be a stud? Probably. But what if the Nationals can only keep them for three years? Do you think then the Nationals make that trade? So, you know, the ability to form super teams, I think, uh, takes a hit as well when you're not able to keep these players for for as long as they're able to now. You want to, I mean, I have this opinion about all sports except the NFL, but you also want to drive people to the stadium shorten your regular season that one of the key points for uh the owners in these contract negotiations is uh expanding the postseason well to the players they're saying that all you're going to do is water down the regular season well why don't we make it a double win we'll expand the postseason we'll shorten the regular season and i'm not even saying drastically i'm not saying drop it to 100 games but like 120 i i think that's a that's a good number do I need to see the Indians? Do I need to see, you know, division opponents 36 times a year? No, I don't. I, I absolutely do not. That's the one thing that um, could also be a little side win if they were to implement this. It's just more, more. I don't, maybe not to say more interleague play, but just less division play. Um, I think, if I remember right, is it uh 19 times uh depending well and i think the nl central is a little bit different right because the the six teams but you play in four teams 19 times each is just not fun for fans 
Um, so I think you get a little bit more of interleague play, maybe a little bit more cross division play. Uh, you know, obviously Minnesota Twins fans, we hate the Yankees, right? Who doesn't, unless you are are born in in New York. Um, but you know, Yankees in Minnesota happens once a year, I think, and then the next year it happens twice. Do you think that having the Yankees in Minnesota twice a year sells more tickets? Absolutely does, for sure. No question about it. Like, yeah, I mean, having those, having good teams, having the opportunity and having good teams come to your stadium is just going to drive people. And, and that should be, that's the ultimate goal. Like, that should be the ultimate goal is having people in the stands. We've all been to stadiums where we're announcing a sellout crowd of 38,276 people, and you look around and there's 12 people in the stadium. We've all been there. And like, the the ultimate goal should be having all thirty eight of those thousand people show up for that game. You shorten the regular season, increase playoffs because playoff games are going to sell out. Like fun fact, they're going to sell out every time. Shorten the regular season, get away from this six years after they reach the highest level of baseball idea. I mean, owners, I'm sorry. I'm I'm more on the player side than I am on your side. You guys have been raking in the money. In Passon's article, he references the competitive balance tax that from 95 until now has gone up like 15%. Baseball profits have gone up like 70%. So it's not even close to proportionate. I'm, I, I get it. You're billionaires for a reason, but like you're also billionaires. So take, a, take the loss. It's not even have to be a huge loss. Take the loss for the little guy. Let us have our baseball, and 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 stop. Just just stop this. Stop stop pussyfooting around. I, I'm sorry for the language, but like I, th- when we have millionaires arguing with billionaires about how we're gonna divvy up billions of dollars, like it it really does put a bad taste in my mouth about sports. And I get that that's the business side of it, and that's it's in sports are business like. First and foremost, they are a business. They are not an entertainment company. They are not anything else. They exist for the sole purpose to make everybody in them insurmountably wealthy. And I understand that, but you need games for that. And and mm-hmm. baseball is you're approaching a point where, you know, not not anytime soon, but you know, in the next month or so, it's there's a lot. Have... Yep, there's a lot of small factors out there. Um, to think about as well. But one of them is the other thing that makes baseball so great uh, and leads to its, you know, to help its popularity is spring training. You know, all these, um, you know, spring training games, you know, I used to think that it's just too much Uh, and, and, and they could, they could trim it down a little bit, but I think the beauty of being able to go to just a small town baseball field uh, and walk around the field and the campus and just, you know, you can walk around and, and go look at, you know, the right field line. Then you can go walk back around and go look at batting practice. Like you can, it's just, it's so beautiful on how intimate a setting some of these spring training facilities are. And it just, it's a great thing to be able to, to just take a trip. I know, I know multiple people myself that make it a point every year to go down to Fort Myers, Florida for the twins. I know, actually someone who absolutely loves to go down to Arizona for their spring training. They've Arizona is a little bit different though. I, I like the fact that they have, I think four teams at uh candles, I think this uh camelback ranch now, 
believe it's called, right in the the area there. They have four teams, four different uh, fields they use. But um, I don't know. I think that's a super cool thing. And if you start messing around with spring training, um, maybe you start messing around with some of that popularity too. And again, this is a small factor, but just there, there's a lot of small factors too. Yeah, and and there is. Um, we're not there yet, but hopefully, hopefully, with there's at least substantive conversation that happens i i would i personally would like to see substantive substantive conversation within the next week but realistically it's not going to happen to like the third or fourth week of january it's not going to happen until that risk of lost profits um really sinks in for both the players and the owners that's when Mm -hmm. they'll come back to the negotiating table um i want to end the show with um something that you and i are both very excited about um you are the you are more of the hockey aficionado than i am i watch the wild um i'm very excited for this so i can only imagine how you're feeling but uh matthew boldy and marco rossi both getting called up for from the ahl to num the last two number one overall pick or last two first round picks that the minnesota wild have had so uh how excited are you and have you paid enough attention to be able to give us a educated opinion my friend um yeah i mean obviously i love sharing my opinion and especially about hockey it's it's uh my number one sport i would say hockey for for me is number one i would say uh the nfl is number two and then i would say uh major league baseball is is number three so that's what i would probably say if i had to guess although two and three you could you could tie uh and and make them two two a and two b but um NHL hockey, love it. Uh, that's 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 where I'm at for me. And uh, to tell you that I'm excited is certainly an understatement. Um, I, I've seen the kids play before, uh, of course. So you know, f- debut wise, it's it's not necessarily something for me that's like, hey, I want to see them play and I want to see them how the, you know see how they do in the game. It's just one game, or or you know, if they if they stay up for a little while, it's only a couple of games. So it's more about just the coming of the guard and, um, you know, a wild franchise that has been stuck in third gear, honestly, right. They, they, they don't go down to second or first gear, but they can't make that shift up to, to fifth and and into overdrive right in the highway. So, um, it is a sign, uh, that the continual, um, retooling of the roster not rebuilding because I don't think that's the right word for what has happened here in Minnesota. Um, but it's just a sign that the retooling has worked number one. And number two, it's a sign of the retooling is here. It, it is now. Um, and that's, that's what I'm most excited about. And, you know, I think details, um, you know, we, we could go into details if you'd want, but for me as well, with the caps uh, restrictions that the Minnesota Wild are going to have here in the, over the next couple of years due to the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter buyouts, I think that you're going to not want, not only want to have these kids in the roster, you're going to need them to be on the NHL roster just for a cap perspective. Yeah, I, uh, so for me, I, I really got into hockey and the Wild uh July 4th, I think it was 2012, when they signed Prezi and Suter. That, for me, um, hadn't really paid too much attention before that point. But um, when somebody says, you know, you got two of the biggest free agents in the NHL coming to Minnesota, you know, you kind of perk up a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and just being a more casual hockey fan, um, especially during those Parisian Suter years, like it was, it was tough to watch, uh, especially on the end there, the last three years, because you always, I always knew that the team was, it was always good, but I, you know, it's not good enough. Like it doesn't matter who they add, doesn't matter who they sign. You had just gotten so used to seeing this wild team. They would make the playoffs and like either bounce in the first or second round. And, and it's it just, it's what you came to expect. Um, now when I watch the wild, it seems like a whole different, whole different experience. The team seems faster. The team seems like they actually enjoy playing the game of hockey. And there were times, there were times during the peak Parisi suitor, suitor era where I, I genuinely questioned whether or not the people enjoyed and the players enjoyed playing hockey. Um, there were definitely times where it was, I didn't even think they liked each other. Um, I think it was more, <laughs> more like they were just forced to be here. And that's kind of like the situation they're in. Um, this team seems like they like each other. Uh, Kaprasov is an absolute just animal in the middle of any lineup. And someone who I, uh, I'm very, I'm very fortunate that we have him and something that I'm very excited uh, about his future, especially now that he's locked up for the next five years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, going back to, to Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi, um, I do believe, uh, that they are going to be absolutely studs for, for the team within, within due time, you know, you, you may see them struggle as, as often as uh, a lot of kids do when they first get called up. Um, do do I think that they're going to impact the wild and give them a little bit of energy and, and maybe improve on their, I think their 25th ranked uh, power play in the NHL. I think they do. I think they help power play. I think they're going to put up some points uh, a little bit. Um, do I think they both stick on the roster? I think when everybody's healthy, um, I think one of them uh, potentially is going to go down again. Now I know the wild just waved Victor Rask. I don't know if uh, I know about the results of the waiver yet. Um, I think they can, uh, if he clears waivers, I think they can assign him to the taxi squad. And in doing so, um, you still save some money towards the cap. Um, and, and this is for another episode as well, but the NHL is has such a weird cap system where um, it's actually a daily cap. So if you send someone up and down from the taxi squad, uh, excuse me, to the AHL and then back up to the taxi squad, taxi squad and back down to the AHL multiple times, you actually are helping yourself do some daily savings that adds up over the course of the year towards your your cap number. Um, so, you know, Victor Rask, I think he'll clear. I think he'll sit on the taxi squad, uh, maybe get sent down to the AHL just again to help even a little bit more with those numbers. Um, but... With the way that the Wild played early in the season, I think that they can get back to that uh, level of play and, and level of consistency. Um, I don't know if numbers-wise, again, if we're all healthy, I don't think they both stay up all year. Um, my bet would be uh, Boldy stays and, and Marco Rossi gets sent down. Um, that's just that's what I would bet on. But again, Victor Rask was a center, uh, and Marco Rossi is a center, so... You know, you could say, "Hey, Rossi may have a better chance of staying." But again, I'm thinking one of one of the two stays for a majority of the season. I don't think both of them do. But again, I'm more excited about the overall picture of saying, "Hey, um, our future is is now here. 
Uh, and I'm just so excited about all the prospects we have in our prospects pool. I think the hiring of Judd Brackett as the uh, scouting director here at the Minnesota Wild, we, we poached him for Vancouver when he had a little bit of a fallout there. Uh, I think Judd Brackett's doing an amazing job already. Uh, combo Judge Brackett with Bill Guerin. And listen, I think I think we have an all-star uh, cast of, of a GM and a scouting group. So just th- that's what I'm most excited about right now with this Minnesota Wild is not necessarily that they had a great first couple of months. I mean, it's good good to see. Don't get me wrong. I, I love it. Um, but what I'm most excited about is the combo of Bill Guerin, Judd Brackett, and the prospect pool that we currently have. So that's where I'm at. And you'll know this probably off the top of your head. Which one, Rossi or Boldy, was the one who got COVID and then had the heart heart palpitation yeah. situation? Yeah, Marco Rossi was. Yeah. So that was actually his debut, which is tomorrow, is going to be exactly one year uh, since he found out he had it. Yeah, Mike, that's Mike what. That's, yeah. That's what I was going to bring up. And how cool is that? I mean, just couldn't ask for a more just like, and that's, that's the reason, like, that's, I'm, I'm sure that you can touch on this as well it's the reason you love sports like they it gives you number one for for fans like us gives you an escape from reality and that's what sports are sports are my escape while i'm watching a game i'm not thinking about anything else if you're a player it gives you moments like this where where a year ago margot rossi was worried if he was even going to live one one year later he's making his nhl debut on national television on espn come on how how great like couldn't script it like you could you could send that to a script you could send that to a screenwriter and they'd be like that's not gonna happen so well, just... it's it's the perfect storm right so you here, here's the three things that were at play you have um both of them have have spent time now in the ahl this season you know just getting a little bit more seasoning really i think that uh the organization does a great job of monitoring um the systems that they like to use. And so they deploy both, you know, the system in the same NHL and AHL. So Rossi and Boldy have, have, have started to learn that and, and really understanding what it takes to be a pro. And I think for Marco Rossi, um, he's a little bit of an undersized. So getting used to the physicality of being in a night in and night out first line center. Um, so uh, I think it's, it's, uh, that is one of the perfect storm items is just, they've already gotten some seasoning now, right? The secondary item is that you look at some of the injuries, uh, that the wild have a little bit of the COVID too, as well. But I think it's just some of the injuries they've had at the forward ranks with Erickson Eck out Greenway, possibly, uh, out here. Um, Nick Bugstad got, uh, slashed in practice by Mac Zuccarello and he is potentially out, <laughs> uh as well so just injuries at the forward spot so that's the the other perfect storm and then i do think this is a factor i wholeheartedly think it is a factor just like what you're saying but to think that rossi's gonna make his debut one year exactly to the day uh from his um diagnosis and then as well you get boldy to make his debut uh six miles from boston college campus where he went uh, and played college hockey 12 miles from his hometown 12 miles from his hometown six miles from his uh, place of college hockey. I, I just think that else is got to be a factor in the wild. They just Bill Guerin. I think that's up his sleeve somewhere. Something he would do. Boldy's not going to have any fans, any any family member, any fans in the stands. That dude, <laughs> that dude's going to Boston by himself, isn't he? <laughs> did you did you hear about Rossi's family? No, I didn't. So so Ross, Marco Rossi's family, uh, his parents, and you know potentially some uh, close 
uh, f- uh, friends, they were here for New Year's in Minnesota uh, and uh, over Christmas, and they flew back on January 1st to Austria. And they learned about this here now, um, and now they're flying. They basically got home, unpacked their bags, and now they packed their bags and they're flying back to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And, and you know, air travel right now is just the pinnacle of reliable transportation. So that yes. is definitely easy for them. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I had a good time tonight, Miss. You have fun? All right. Sounds good, Joe. I, uh, I appreciate it. And uh, it was beautiful. I think that as we go on here, we're going to be able to, to dive into some of the details on some of these topics we, we enjoy and, and are passionate about. So, yeah, absolutely. I want to I wanna try to get in the habit of ending each, each show with a little bit of a joke. So why don't clothing makers make a belt of watches? Why doesn't clothing makers do what? Make a belt out of watches out of watches why is that so it'd be a waste of time that's all we got time for thank you so much for joining it for any part of the show you listen to have yourself a great night great day and uh, remember to stay beautiful